different. It's a great thing to be. Let's find out why with Heather Avis of The Lucky Few. Welcome to the Special Education Inner Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Catherine Witcher, and today we're going to talk with Heather, and you're going to want to lean in and listen on the entire conversation because she has wisdom, insights, and she's an author of a brand new book that you're going to want to add to your library. So Heather, thank you for being here today. Thank you for that nice welcome. I'm so happy to be here. So we ask everyone, how did you end up at an IEP table? <laughs> um, I ended up my very first time as a teacher, as a special education teacher. So I did, I don't know, dozens, if not hundreds of IEPs over the years. And then um, years later at an IEP table, when my youngest daughter, my, sorry, my oldest daughter, Macy, who has Down syndrome turned three years old. And we entered so, into the preschools. Yeah. So you're sitting on a, you know, at an IEP table as a parent after having been an educator. And I know that people talk all the time about, whoa, like it feels so different sitting in a different role. Did you have that same kind of experience? Yeah. So, so, so different. And I'm really grateful for my background as a special educator and my experience with IEPs and the knowledge I came to the table with, it was a game changer. You know, that very first time, my daughter's first IEP, transitioning her from early start into preschool. And I knew the questions to ask. I knew what the form looked like. I mean, I, a few years prior, I was filling those forms out myself as the teacher. Um, it was a huge advantage that I'm, I'm deeply grateful for. Yeah. Absolutely. So it, it feels like a whole different language, a whole different world that we're living in when we're filling out that paperwork and just going through all of those different terms. So I love that you have the perspective of both the educator and the parent. Uh, so let's talk about that parenting side just a bit. Let's talk about Macy. We're going to actually be releasing this episode. If you're listening to this now on the day that it's released, it's going to be Macy's birthday. <laughs> and so Macy is turning, if I have this right, she's turning 13. Yes. So you're officially going to be, you know, welcome to the world of being a mom of teenagers. Oh, dear. Here we, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. I, um, I entered that world a little while ago and, um, yeah, it's an adventure. Let's just say yes. that it is an adventure. So we have Macy who has Down syndrome, who is going to be turning 13 and she's your inspiration for your book that you just wrote. So can you tell us a little bit about where did this concept come from and how did Macy help, you know, really um, start this conversation? Yeah. Um, I have been like a children's literature junkie. I just love children's literature. And when, before I had kids, I had a collection of books and I'm kind of also snobby about the children's literature that I put on my bookshelves. Um, when Macy came home, so I say came home because she's, we adopted her. And so she came home at three months old and I just started looking at the bookshelves for books with her, you know, where she could see herself in the story. And 13 years ago, I don't even know that there were um, books. I know of one. Ooh. I know of one. It's called Where's Chimpy? And I still have the copy that my okay. mom had for my brother. So for our listeners who don't know, my brother has Down syndrome. He's 43. And I treasure that book. In fact, don't tell my mom I stole it out of oh her gosh. stuff. So when she moved, I now have it on my bookshelf. Okay. We're going to need a link to that in show notes or however you do, however you do those links. But, yeah. um, and even for, as an adult looking into books 
for me to read. There was just 13 years ago. So much has changed in the last 13 years. It is wild. It's wild. And so I just remember over the years wanting, as I read children's books, it's like, there'll be really great messages that have to do with disability. And the illustrations are, don't match the message in terms of quality or like beautiful illustrations and the storyline doesn't match. And there are, if you are listening and you have written a children's book that is about disability, I'm not talking about your book specifically. (laughs) It's just, um, I just want there in the disability space. I want things to be done with excellence, like they are expected to be outside of the disability space, like in terms of media and movies and representation and books. And so I wanted a book that was a message that I want my kids to know with a little girl who looks like Macy and that's beautiful and well done. Um, and I wanted to write children's literature since I was young. It was kind of a dream that I had. And then I ended up writing um, two nonfiction adult books and working with an agent and working with publishers. And over the years, we talked about children doing a children's book. So we it finally happened. Lots had to happen for it to happen. And um, one of the things that Macy has really taught me is how to embrace the things in myself and in others that are different. Um, I think that I grew up and we, a lot of us grew up in the world, avoiding that, like avoiding pointing out differences. We try to assimilate and be like other people and make life easy for those around us. Um, and that oftentimes can look like suppressing the things that make us different. And when you have someone who, who appears so different you know, like someone with a disability, um, I feel like we've spent so much time even in, and this can get messy and this is probably another conversation, but even in like early start and therapies and like OT, PT, speech, we're doing all these things. And we, and I'm checking myself constantly, like, am I doing this so that Macy is quote less down syndrome? Like what, what is the point of all this? Right. And it's for her to be her best self but I think you can get wrapped up in so that she's more like everyone else. No, 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 no. She's different. And that's what makes her incredible. And so is everybody, everybody is different and that's what makes them their unique self. And so how do we shift that narrative around different and teach kids to see it, embrace it and celebrate it. So that's what the book is all about. So I love that so much because if anybody follows you on social media, we all know you're all inclusion and, and thinking about this bigger picture of community. And there's a lot of times, and you know what, let's go ahead. Let's get a little messy in this conversation. I'm, I'm okay with that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, inclusion, I'm going to say in the old days, right? So my brother going to school in a public school, it was either you fit in and be like the other kids, or we don't even acknowledge you. Like I went to the same school as my brother for an extremely short amount of time. And I can remember going home, asking my mom why my brother was standing on the wall at recess. And to make the long story short, it's the teacher said to her, well, because he can't get in the way of the other kids playing kickball because him being there would, would get in the way of that. Now I want to shift that a little bit too, and say, we're not looking for the, the pity teammate either. I don't ever want my brother to be pitied because he's different and given that winning shot just because he has down syndrome, but I don't want him standing on the wall either. There's a place in between there uh, of accepting who he is. Now the solution 
back in the day for my mom at that time, and considering, you know, there's a lot of um, his educational journey in this, he went to a private therapeutic day school at that point because he needed an education and we couldn't waste any more years trying to break those boundaries. And we, I kind of mentioned to you before we hit record on this, like, thank you. Thank you for continuing to break those boundaries because different is something that needs to be part of the inclusion conversation because it is not about, you know, that, that winning team shot that's given to somebody just because, and it's not about excluding them either. Right. Definitely. And, you know, I, the book stars a little girl named Macy, who is our guide into embracing the things about us that are different and who shows off her differences, but we don't talk about disability or down syndrome anywhere in the book. And, and I think it's important to have books that talk about those things. That wasn't what this story is because it is a story for all of us. And it's a story for kids so much. So um, I remember when my son August, who also has down syndrome was in kindergarten. And I was talking, I was going to do like a little talk to the class about down syndrome. They all had a lot of questions early on. And I had this mom come up to me and go, I'm so glad that you were talking to the kids about like, it's okay to be different because my son is very uncomfortable with this other kid's lunch. And this other kid was Indian. Um, his parents were immigrants from India and he brought traditional Indian food for lunch and he felt different and alienated for that, you know? So it's like every kid has a thing that makes them feel different. And somehow that we've we've managed to create this narrative that that's bad. And we all, I think everyone at the end of the day could agree. It's not, it's not bad. So we've got to change that conversation. And Absolutely. I think people who are more like fit that idea of different, um, are going to be our guides in that, in that, which is what Mason has been for me. So share that a little bit. So share a, a little bit about how, um, having Macy in your family, uh, might even be different than what you expected and, and what she has, you know, taught you through being, you know, this, um, oh my gosh, she's just an amazing girl. Like I love to watch her and I don't even know her in real life. I'm just going to disclose that I am a, I am a true Instagram stalker when it comes to just seeing <laughs> what's up with, you know, um, Macy and your family and what's going on. Um, but I see so much joy in her in the way, um, that I'll just, I'm just going to bring up my brother again. Uh, you yes. know, my brother does not have the strongest vocabulary. He doesn't have the easiest communication to understand, but he has so much to say and so much to give and so much to, um, just, uh, again, just display it of, of goodness and kindness and being part of the community. So that that's my take on some of the things that my brother has brought to, brought to my life. But I want to hear from a parent perspective where Macy, let's talk a little bit about how she changed your journey. Oh my gosh. We could go on and on and on and on about this. Um, I'll tell a quick story. When Macy was in kindergarten, we were a part of an organization. It was like a parent support group. It was, it was a learning program for people who have down syndrome. And then there was a parent support aspect to it. So Macy would go once a week, once a month to this learning program, um, and work with her peers and the parents would have their own like time together. And up until then, I do think my approach to all of the interventions that are offered to a parent who has a child with a disability, who's plugged into those resources, I was I didn't know this about me, but I was trying to make Macy more like other kids. 
um, it wasn't, it was part of the goal in that process. And I, so I'm sitting in this meeting and they're talking about telling time or like some kind of a tool to help our kids with math. And the woman leading the meeting said, and isn't that why we do all of this? So our kids are more like their typical peers. And she and I have since had a conversation about it. And she admits that was a slip because she doesn't believe that, but it, for me, everything froze and I stopped listening. And I had a moment of like, oh my gosh, no, (gasps) that's not why I'm here. That's not what I want. I want Macy to be her best self. It's going to be tricky navigating that with all of the outside voices telling me her best self is more like her typical peers, um, whether they're saying it overtly or, or not, which usually it's not. Um, but that moment really changed for me how I approached Macy and it really started to shift this. Yes, I am her parent and yes, I have a responsibility in raising her up, but also opening up to, she is my guide because I didn't have someone like her in my life before. And I have so much now to learn from her. And so one of the greatest things that Mason has done in my life, and I think in our home is Macy shows up unashamedly as herself. Um, she's very uninhibited and she, she will show up in a space who she, as who she is and embrace herself with an expectation that you will too. And she will do the same for you. She will meet you and not that she's going to like everybody she meets, but she's going to take you as you are at face value. There's, there's nothing there that she's thinking. She's not looking for some kind of hidden agenda. Cause she doesn't have one, you know, she's not like trying to make you someone else that works better for her because she's not going to try to be somebody else to work better for you. And it's such a beautiful lesson for me as someone who like, you know, who want to like go way deep, who was bullied in my childhood, like my childhood wound is being looked down upon and treated poorly because of who I was or who I wasn't, um, because I didn't fit a typical mold. And I'm, that's someone who's able-bodied neurotypical. So I, in my, I'm going to be 40 this year and I'm like, looking to Mason and realizing, oh my gosh, there's so much about me that I have yet to embrace because I've, I've been told that I should be another way. Um, whether it's through the way people look on the media, you know, like in television or now social media, God bless is telling us all these things we should or shouldn't be. And <laughs> like that, they talk about a messy conversation, right? Especially it. as a, as a family, who has children with disabilities and what we share or what we don't share and how people look at us. And, you know, if we use the wrong word or we take the wrong, you know, picture, we do the wrong thing. There's a whole other level of things that are happening. So I love that you just bring up like Macy just is who she is and she's just going to meet you where you're at and she's going to accept who you are. I also love that you say, I'm going to pull that out, that Macy doesn't necessarily like everybody Mm -hmm. (laughs) in that way or like every thing that is a common misconception. And I know the, the book itself is not about down syndrome, um, but Macy does have down syndrome. And, and we do have this kind of thing in our community where it's like people with down syndrome are happy and go lucky. And all this, right. you know, when I say my brother's joyful, he's absolutely joyful, but more than he is angry or upset or disliking things, but he has those full range of emotions also. Yeah. Yeah. The full range of emotions. And I always go back to for Macy and I found this for a lot of people with down syndrome, not all, because while there are a lot of commonalities, everybody with down syndrome is their own unique individual. Um, but that lack of inhibition that like, 
acceptance of who she is and who you are. I've found that to be a common thread in a lot of people I know with Down syndrome. That is so refreshing and, and a goal for me, you know, like to show up in a space as I am and to see you as you are and to be like, all right, cool. This is us. Right. Absolutely. And now what? So (laughs) let's let's talk about some things um, of what are, you know, so right now our listeners, our parents, teachers, admins, therapists who are, you know, sitting at an IEP table, but more importantly, they're in our school community. They're in our community outside of the school building. And if we're going to start to embrace this concept of different and accepting somebody for who they are, what are some things that we could be doing different that would um, display? What are the action items that we can put this into motion? Because it's great to talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, having the book to, as a catalyst for the conversation is great, but then what are the actions look like? Um, I think in terms of like this specific audience, I don't even, I don't know that I would start with like do A, B, C, and D. It's foundational in the way that you think and the, you need to build a foundation within yourself, within your classroom, within your IEP team, where you are assuming the best in the person who we are speaking about and making a plan for and accommodating for that when they walk in the things to you that maybe feel jarring or feel different, or like the things that, that are the behavior that we need to fix or whatever it is, if we just assume all the best in all of that, and that is our starting point. Um, so I really, really feel like it, it's frustrating to people sometimes because it's not like here's A through D list of things to do, but it is a heart check. Where is your heart? What is the posture of your heart and your mindset when you're entering into a conversation about anybody, but especially when you're entering into an IEP meeting or some kind of a meeting where you are making decisions for a person who doesn't fit the mold of education, that is why you are there, right? And so rather than these are the deficit and, and IEPs are deficit model. And so knowing that, recognizing that, and then still saying, we're just going to believe the best in this person. And that's going to be our starting point. And we're going to see those things as positive attributes of who they are, the things that are different about them, the things that brought us to the IEP table to begin with. Those are things to help us become better people. So like switching that, um, like a tangible is shifting from teacher to learner when we're looking at our students, right? Instead of I'm going to come to the table, this is what I have to offer as the educator or the parent or the therapist or whatever. I'm going to come to the table and say, this is going to be rad to learn alongside you. What do you look, what you have to offer? What can we do together? I love that so much. I'm going to ask Have you seen a shift in the willingness of teachers and therapists inside the school system to do that now at age almost 13 with Macy versus before, let's say kindergarten, first grade type of thing? Mm -hmm. I personally am seeing a shift. We had a a couple episodes back, I interviewed a speech therapist who was like, no, I'm not in a speech session to teach a child communication. I'm in a speech session to, to learn along the side and have communication with them. And I want them to teach me what's important to them so I can help communicate, you know, and, and build yeah. a vocabulary and do those things. And that was when I was like, oh, that's a shift. That's a shift in thinking versus kind of um, teacher up front, therapist up front and doing that. So are you seeing more of that as a parent? I mean, yes, 
Yes and no. I, I think what feels really tricky for me in my journey of advocacy, especially when it comes to education and like the IEP meeting table, it feels very fragile in that it's based on personnel. And so sometimes people are that way and sometimes they are not, and we need an entire system to shift. Right. And so I do think, um, it, and it doesn't even have to do with how long someone's been teaching. Some of our greatest teachers have been teaching, like they could have retired 15 years ago, you know? And so, but there is a sense of as new, like the idea of like even growth mindset versus fixed mindset. No one, I'm a credentialed teacher. No one was talking about that when I was getting my teaching credential. And that is so formative and that's a shift, right? And that's a shift that we need in those settings. So I, it's so much has to do with relationships still for me in my experience. Um, kindergarten, we had great relationships with a lot of staff. First through third grade was really challenging because there were some challenging personalities in our IEP meetings and then some really great relationships after that. I think, I, I think that's to be continued. Let's see what happens in seventh grade. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I like that you share that because again, when people see highlight reels or they see, you know, um, look, you're the author of this book and different, they think sunshine, unicorns, rainbows. And there's a lot of people who will say, but not in my situation, or I can't make this shift, or um, we're not capable in our school system of having this. And you haven't had an easy path in finding placements and personnel that can support who Macy is and who she is becoming to be in mm -hmm. doing that. And it's work for everyone. So can you give some words of encouragement to the parent who might be feeling, that sounds great, but, and they're kind of putting up this, this mindset, a fixed mindset of themselves. The system is broken. Everybody's out against me. Even the teachers who want to help, they can't. And they're, they're at this place where it feels like a dead end. Uh, and I don't want them to be there. You know, I'm doing my work on my side to try to, to work with the system from the inside and the outside. What words do you have for parents who are feeling at that dead end of this is impossible to create that shift? Yeah, I would say find, find how you can be fueled up, like find the people who get it, have them as a resource so that you can keep showing up because you're going to grow weary. My dad always says to me, don't grow weary in doing the right thing. Um, and continuing to show up is the right thing for your kid. And there will be times like, honestly, this last year for COVID I have, this is the least I've ever shown up in my kid's educational career. And I think I had the most opportunity to, and there, it's layered obviously, but I'm just kind of like, whatever, you know, like, I don't know that Macy did sixth grade and I actually don't care. I do care deep down, but I want to not, <laughs> I want to not care. I, so I think that it's like, I, I say all that because there's time when you grow weary and you need a break and that is okay, but keep showing up. And one thing that has been really successful for us is show up as a human to talking to another human, um, that the person across the table from you, even, even if they have been so resistant to who your kid is, it would say to your kid's placement, but that communicates to us as the parent that there's resistance to who our kid is. And that is incredibly offensive and should be that they are a human 
and you are a human and there's got to be some kind of like collective humanity that you can find together. And I will always preface to, especially to people who are like really not seeing it, that idea of like, Hey, Mason is my child and she's really an incredible kid. And I, and to say to them, I need you to see her as capable. I need you to see her as capable because I don't think I can trust you if you don't say it. Oh, wait, st- oh my gosh, everybody like stop right there. If you're driving, pull over on the side of the road. Okay. If you're taking your walk, bust out the notes app on your phone. Like I'm telling you right now, this is the teacher in me. Like that's the note that you write down. There was two things. One, you don't get weary doing, um, doing, doing, the, right. Thing. doing the right thing, doing the right oh. thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you write down right on the top of all the things that you need to tell the IEP team at the next meeting that um, can you repeat that about the, yes. the capable and I need and the trust? Yeah. Say that again. Yes. I need to know that you see my child as capable because if you don't, I don't know that I can trust you as a member of this team. Like, and then just pause. You guys like and have a little, pause. like just to sit in it for a minute and, and let, let the team just take that in for a minute because that's powerful. So me as a teacher, let's just say I'm a special education teacher. I'm sitting at the table. I know there's conflict. I know there's things that the system wants from me. I know there's things that the parent wants from me. And when a parent lays down a statement like that, I as a teacher feel empowered to speak up because I know it's what the parent wants me to do. And she just set the stage for me as a teacher who might be fearful that I'm going to lose my job or that I'm going to um, speak against maybe what was um, a predetermined recommendation, even though they're not supposed to be there. They're there. So, um, you know, I'm going to be able to speak up and say, you know what? The parent needs me to see her daughter or her son is capable. I'm going, you know what? I see your daughter is capable in, and I would like to provide. And, Mm -hmm. And you can follow up as an educator, knowing that, you know what? Yes, your administration might come down on you for some things, but when the parent is with you on those statements and the parent knows that they can trust you, you're going to be okay. Yeah. And if you don't see a child as capable, you have no reason to be on that IEP team. You know, like, no, you are not welcome here. And, and that is okay to say. And I, if you are the person in the team, we've, that's only happened, um, well, two times, one with an admin, but with a special ed teacher, one of our resource teachers. And I did, I had to, I had a conversation with her and the principal and it, parents listening. I am, I hate every second of confrontation. I am not like, yippee, I get to call out this teacher in front of the principal. I hate it. I hate every second of it. I don't want there to be conflict. I want there to be peace and resolution. And I'm sick to my stomach the whole time, you know, and I'd rather just send it in a text but I've had those hard conversations of like, I don't, I've said to that teacher, I don't believe that you are for Macy. And so I can't trust you now. What, you know, and she should have said, I'm not. And I should have retired 10 years ago, <laughs> but, <laughs> but we were able to like, she, she had to check herself. I gave her an opportunity to check herself, you know, and to check her heart when in regards to Mason, um, and she needed to shift and, And it's okay to bring those things to the table because we have to have a team mentality. If we're going to, if our kids are going to be successful, it has to be a team mentality. It cannot be an us versus them. So when you see us versus them happening, call it out, call it out and say, this has to be a team mentality. You guys, we've got to be in this together because I believe that we all want what's best for this kid, for my kid. So let's do it. You know, 
I love it. So just call it out. You know what? Call out the differences. Call, call out. out, call out how to support a child. <laughs> call out, call it, just, just say it. The secrecy or the um, timidness that comes from um, whether it's the IEP table or it's eating out at a restaurant or it's taking the walk um, at the park, there's a lot of that's not said. There's still a lot that's just not said. And that's, you know, let's just come back to, you know, we've got this book that's, you know, about being different and about seeing it, not ignoring it. It's about seeing it and accepting it and helping somebody grow into who they are. And I love that so much. So where's the best place for somebody to go grab your book, um, Inspired by Macy, Different. So where should they go grab that at? Anywhere you like to buy books. So it'll be Amazon, Target, Walmart, all those places. Go to, um, is it Indie, Indie Nook? What's there that does like oh. independent bookstores? Yeah, yeah. Um, you could go to heatheravis.com and there's going to be links to read all the resources and videos and anything that you need will be there. Love that so much. I'll make sure that you guys have the links to everything wherever you are listening to this, um, whether it's YouTube or your podcast app or Facebook, Instagram, wherever you're at, just look for the links and you'll find all the links on where to go grab your copy. But here's my request for you. Please do not just grab one copy because you have to grab two. This is not a message to keep to yourself. This is a message that you have to share. It's one thing to know it. It's another thing to share it and put it into action. So please make sure that you grab two copies. Remember, if you want to continue the conversation, you can always reach out to us at specialedinnercircle.com or just send me a message. I'll get you a link so we can connect. And uh, Heather, thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. 